and welcome back to our study of the purpose, practice, and power of prayer. If you want to be like Jesus, it helps to know how to pray like Jesus too. Jesus gives us a model for prayer in the Lord's Prayer. Certainly, it is the most famous prayer ever prayed. And we're going to look at the principles that Jesus teaches in this prayer. And we're also going to look at the relationships in the prayer. And we're going to look at the format of this prayer. But I want to begin by inviting you to pray the prayer out loud with me. We'll be reading it from the King James Version of the Bible because there's just something about this prayer in the King James Version. It just sounds so rich and beautiful. And hey, I'm teaching the class, so I get to call whatever version we use. So I, I, I grew up with this prayer in the King James. So let's read this out loud together, right there in your group. Read it with me. Here we go. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now notice in your outline that Jesus introduced the prayer by saying, this then is how you should pray. Notice that Jesus did not say this is what you should pray. He's not giving us an, an incantation. He's not giving us magic words that we repeat mindlessly and all of our dreams come true. He's not saying, well, this is what you should pray. He's saying this is how. This is a method. This is a pattern to follow. So what he's basically saying is when you pray, well, pray like this. And every phrase of this prayer represents a, a facet of our relationship with God. So we're going to look at the relationships and the statements of trust that are represented in this prayer. And here's the first relationship. It's in verse 9. And you might want to write this down. Jesus says, Our Father which art in heaven. Now here's the relationship. You are my Father. I am your child. And here's the statement of trust. I trust your love. You're my father, I am your child, I trust your love. That's the first relationship. Aren't you glad that we don't pray to a committee? We also don't pray to some nebulous, disinterested, cosmic force. We pray to a person. We pray to our Heavenly Father. We pray to a Father who loves us, our Heavenly Father. Yes, He is the King. Yes, He is our defender. Yes, He is the judge. But He rules and He defends and He judges as a Father. He is first and foremost our Heavenly Father. That's the relationship He wants us to know Him by. A perfectly loving, compassionate Father. His fatherhood is His primary identity for us. Because as John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. As a Father, He gave His Son. He is the Father. And He gave His Son so that we too 
could become sons and daughters through adoption through Christ. God wants us to know him first and foremost as a father, having been adopted into his family. God did not adopt us as his children because he needed more children. He adopted you as his child because you were an orphan and needed a father. And he loves you. And he's brought you into his family to show you how much he loves you. Now, for a lot of people, this is a difficult concept. You may have had a bad picture of what a father is like because of your earthly father and, and his failures. Your father might have been absent. He might have been abusive. But nevertheless, this is the picture that God gives us. If you want to know what a father is supposed to look like, don't look at your own father. Look at your heavenly father. There comes a time when we have to stop trying to conform God to the image of our earthly fathers and instead allow God to transform us into the image of His Son. And He wants us to know Him first and foremost as a Father. So Jesus says, our Father in heaven. And in the next phrase, He says, hallowed be thy name. Now what does that mean? Well, in essence, it means your name is holy. Your name is to be worshipped. What Jesus is saying is, Father in heaven, let your name be glorified. The principle Jesus is teaching us is that prayer begins with praise. So let's think about the Father's name. Let your name be glorified. Hallowed be thy name. What are the names of God in Scripture? Well, he has many names. His name is Provider. His name is Counselor. His name is Shepherd. His name is Comforter. His name is Father. His name is Savior. He has many names in Scripture. And Jesus is saying, this is how you pray. That first and foremost, you are my Father. And before I ask anything else, I want your name to be glorified. So the question I have for you today in whatever need you're carrying and whatever prayer burden you might have on your heart today? Here's my question. By what name will God be glorified in the answer to your prayer? Do you need wisdom today? Then call on Him, call on him as counselor. Are you grieving something today? Then call on the Lord as comforter. Is someone you know and love distant from the Lord or doesn't know the Lord at all? Well, then call on the name of the Lord as Savior. Jesus is saying, what is the name of the Lord that will be glorified in your prayer request? He teaches us to pray, let your name be glorified. He starts out with praise. And this is important because the Bible tells us in several places one in, in which Psalm 22, 3. Another one is, is uh, Isaiah 6, uh, verse 1. We see this picture that the Lord is enthroned on the praises of His people. He's enthroned on the praises of His people. Think about this. Every kingdom has a king, and every king has a throne, and the throne of God rests on your praises. That means that when you are desperate for the hand of God in your life, for his rulership, for his authority, for his provision and care. You align yourself with his throne by praising him because his throne rests on our praises. 
God's throne is not floating around in the universe looking for a place to settle. Instead, we are bringing ourselves into alignment with His rule and authority when we praise Him, when we worship Him. We make ourselves available to Him. You see, God's grace is always available to us. We just have to make ourselves available to His grace. And we do that in worship, in praise. That's why Jesus says, before I do anything else, I want your name to be glorified in what I'm facing right now. So Jesus says, here's how to pray. You start with worship. You start with praise. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's saying the ultimate aim of prayer is that the name of the Lord is glorified. Now, let's look at the second relationship in the prayer. Write this down. It's in verse 10, where Jesus says, Thy kingdom come. So here's the relationship. You are my king. I am your subject. And here's the statement of trust. I trust your authority. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is wherever God is king. Very simple. It's wherever God is king. If God is king in heaven, then the kingdom of God is in heaven. If God is king in your heart, then the kingdom of God is in your heart. Jesus said the kingdom is within you and among you. If God is king in your home, then the kingdom of God is in your home. If God is king in your business, then the kingdom of God is in your business. The kingdom of God is wherever God is made king. It's wherever he is given rule and authority. So when you pray, your kingdom come, you're saying, Lord, I want your ways, I want your values, I want your authority, I want your sovereignty. I surrender to that. That's what I want in my life. I want your kingdom to come and take rule over my little piece of the earth, over my part of life. I want my heart to become your throne room. I want you to come and take the seat of authority and become the king of my life. So having prepared the throne room of your heart with praise, now you invite his entry into whatever is going on in your life. You invite him to come and take his seat as your king. Well, now let's look at the third relationship. It's also in verse 10. Jesus says, thy will be done. And here's the relationship. You are my master. I am your servant. I trust your wisdom. That I not only surrender to the sovereignty of my king, but I surrender to the will and the wisdom of my master. I want things to be done the way he thinks they should be done. Your will be done is probably the greatest statement of faith in the prayer. It's a statement of trust that requires a complete letting go. Before you've made any request to God, you have surrendered to His sovereignty and you have surrendered to His wisdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And it requires that you truly believe that God knows what is best, that He wants what is best, and that you want what He knows is best for you. That's what you're praying when you say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, look at the next phrase in the prayer. On earth as it is in heaven. What you're saying is, let the order and wisdom of heaven, 
Bring order and wisdom into my life. That's what you're asking. Let the order and wisdom of heaven, the sovereignty and wisdom of heaven, bring order and wisdom into my life. And there's a little word in that phrase that I want you to look at. It's a two-letter word. It's the word as. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a little word with huge meaning. Actually, it has two meanings. You might want to write this down. As can mean just like or just when. I'll give you an example. Someone says, she's as pretty as a picture. In that case, the word as means like. Or I could say, as I was walking down the street, I tripped over the dog. In that case, as means when. When I pray, let your kingdom, your sovereignty, your authority, and let your will and wisdom be done in my part of earth, just like and just when it is done in heaven. I'm not only releasing the outcome of the prayer, I'm releasing the timing into God's hands. I'm saying to God, I trust you for the answer, and I'm trusting you that the timing will be exactly as you want it to be, that it will happen the way you want it to happen and when you want it to happen. You're saying, I trust your ways and your timing. So this is not coming to God with a whatever kind of prayer. We make our case before God based on His Word. You come before the Lord and you say, Lord, you said this in your Word, and I'm holding you to your Word today. Lord, you, you did this before, so I know who you are, I know what you can do, and I'm asking you to do it again. But do it in the way that you want to do it. Now, some people say, well, why pray if, if God already knows what he's going to do? Well, one of the reasons, quite honestly, is we pray because God commands us to. You see, prayer is an opportunity to learn to trust God. Prayer is not about conforming God to my will. Prayer is about conforming me to His will. And that's why I pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Prayer is not about bringing God to His senses. Prayer is about bringing me to God's senses. Now let me pause for a moment and say this. God isn't looking for eloquence when you pray. He's looking for honesty. Private prayer, private conversation is different from public speaking. In public speaking, you want to sound like you know what you're talking about. You want to mind your P's and Q's and be sure your grammar is correct and all that kind of stuff. That's public speaking. But in private conversation with a friend, you can be much more relaxed, more intimate. There's more honesty. And that's what God is looking for, because prayer is not public discourse. Now, sometimes you're leading in public prayer, but the kind of prayer that we're talking about here, the kind that's driven by the Word, the kind that comes out of your devotions, the kind that comes out in the middle of the night when you're pacing the floor because you're worried about something, in that private kind of prayer, God is not at all interested in eloquence. He wants honesty. Just be honest with God. You just tell Him what's on your mind. 
It's not like he doesn't already know. But tell him what's on your mind. Be open and honest with him. Talk to him the way you would talk to a friend. So now we come to the next phrase in the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Here's the relationship. You are my provider. I am your dependent. I trust your faithfulness. Notice he says, give us this day our daily bread. He doesn't say our weekly bread or monthly bread or bread for a lifetime. You know, it seems like it would be a lot easier just if you do it all at once. Then he wouldn't have to be bothered by us anymore. Like, hey, here you go. Don't bother me. Go away. You know why it's daily? It's because God knows that if he gave you everything you need all at once, he'd never hear from you again. God wants to hear from you every day. This is a daily reminder that everything we have comes from him. So it requires daily prayer, daily surrender, and daily faith. The next relationship is in verse 12. Jesus says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So here's the relationship. You are the Savior. I am a sinner. I trust your mercy. I'm looking to you for forgiveness and for the grace to forgive those who sin against me. Just as I need daily bread, I need daily forgiveness. Because I still sin. I still mess up. He's not talking about sin that's going to send you to hell. Your salvation is secure in Christ. Be assured of that. He's talking about things that grieve God's heart and keep us from being able to hear His voice. You're saying, Lord, if there's anything going on in my life that offends you, well, search my heart and point out anything that I need to confess and then simply confess it. Now, this is the only part of the prayer that comes with a condition. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And there's that pesky little word, as, again. You're saying, forgive me just like and just when I forgive others. And that's a hard prayer to pray. But you need to keep short accounts with God and keep short accounts with others. Don't let your own sins or the sins of others come between you and God. If you want God to bless your life, then you have to let go of unforgiveness. Forgiveness is not just an activity. It's a lifestyle of daily choices. Now, you might be thinking, hang on a second here. It's not fair that I have to forgive that person, not after what they said or what they did or what they failed to do. It just isn't fair that I have to forgive them. And you're right. It isn't fair. But forgiveness is not about fairness. Forgiveness is about grace. And none of us deserve grace. It isn't fair that God forgave you. But He did. And He wants you to do the same for other people. When I release my grip on the person who hurt me, I can say, Lord, my hands are now available to receive whatever you want to give me and to do whatever you want me to do. 
Well, let's move on to the next relationship. In this next phrase, and lead us not into temptation. So here's a relationship. You are my guide. I am a pilgrim. I trust your direction. You're saying, Lord, please lead me safely through every circumstance. I trust that you will not allow me to face anything that I cannot handle. You're saying, Lord, now that I've been forgiven, don't let me walk that way again. Keep me from the things that tempt me. Teach me to avoid the landmines and the traps that are out there in front of me. Now that I am free from sin, teach me to flee from sin. Lead us not into temptation. And the final relationship in the prayer is in the next phrase, deliver us from evil. Here's the relationship. You are my deliverer. I am a captive. I trust you to set me free. You see, you have an enemy who hates you. I've talked about this in the first session. The devil's real. He never takes a day off. He wants nothing more than to interrupt your relationship with God. So we need to pray, Lord, deliver us from evil. Some translations say, deliver us from the evil one. So you ask the Lord to go before you, to set you free, and to keep you free. And then Jesus finishes the prayer the way he started, but in reverse order. He says, for thine is the kingdom, so thy kingdom come, and thine is the power, so thy will be done, and thine is the glory forever, so let your name be glorified. He started with the glory of God, and he ends with the glory of God. And this takes us now into the framework of the prayer, and it's important for us to look at this. I have five words that I want you to write down in your notes as we look at the framework of this model prayer. The first word to write down is this word, praise. Write down the word praise. Prayer begins with praise. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let your name be glorified. The second word to write down is surrender. Surrender. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That is surrendering to God's sovereignty and his wisdom. The third word is the word petition. Petition. It's our requests. These are your requests for daily bread, daily forgiveness, daily direction, daily protection. The fourth word is surrender again. Yeah, write down surrender again. Yours is the kingdom, so your kingdom come, and yours is the power, so your will be done. That's surrender. And the last word to write down is praise. Let your name be glorified. Thine is the glory forever. So you've got those five words. Look at what you've written down. Here's the pattern. Praise, surrender, petition, surrender, praise. All of our petition, all of our requests are presented in the context of surrender. And all of our surrender is offered to God in the context of praise. So write this down. The ultimate aim of all our prayer is the glory of God. Our petition 
is surrendered to God's will and sovereignty because ultimately what we are seeking, what we're asking for is not comfort, it's not our provision. Ultimately, what we are seeking and asking for is the glory of God on the earth. That's why I said prayer is not about my needs and my will. Prayer is about God's will and His glory on the earth. You're saying, my Father, let your name be glorified in my life. My King, let your name be glorified in this challenge. My Master, let your name be glorified in this decision that I'm about to make. My Provider, my Savior, my Guide, my Deliverer, let your name be glorified in whatever it is I'm facing. Then you make your needs known to God. You pour out your heart before Him. But then, once again, you say, now having said all of that, Lord, I want your will to be done more than anything else because I want my life to be lived for your glory. In our next session, we're going to talk about how to pray with persistence and power. But I want us to finish this session where we started. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together out loud again. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I hope you have a great discussion time. We'll see you in the next session.